18. Acts chapter 18. Just a reminder of announcements. Wednesday night we have prayer meeting at 5, uh, 5.15 and Bible study at 6.30. Going through the book of Revelation. And so moving right along through there into chapter 10 this week. And then um, next Sunday we have our fall festival, Sunday afternoon. So there is no evening service next Sunday. We'll have our morning services like normal. And then evening we'll have our fall festival and hope you can be a part of that. And uh, that would be a good thing. And even if you say, well, there's really, I don't know what I could do. You could just even come around and be a smiling face and say hi to people when they're out there. That's always a good thing. And so there'll be, I think I, we've got 225 people already signed up online to come with a week to go. That's in one week. We got another week to go. So there could be a lot of people here. Yeah, and parking's always a mess, but it's always fun. We have a good time with it, and it's a good thing and a good testimony in our community and things like that. And so we still could use a little bit more candy if anybody wants to bring candy. And so someone says, what if we have too much between this and then the event at the end of October? We will not have, we, we still don't have enough for all of that. So if after what we have brought in, if we get through next Sunday and it's like we have enough, I'll tell you stop bringing candy then. But till then, keep bringing it, and you're doing a great job with that. I mentioned this morning how we have a lovely $10,000 shuttle bill and over 3000 for the fall festival. So for pastor appreciation, just write the pastor a nice note. That's a nice thing to do this year. Don't give him money. Just write a nice note or write a note. Write a mean note and tell him to start singing more songs on Sunday morning or something like that. <laughs> Include that in the song, in the thing. I'm just teasing there. But um, you can do whatever in those notes. And so, but just do a note. And uh, someone gave a nice check this morning, extra above and beyond to go towards that stuff. So that's a blessing, but we still could use more that area and the Lord always provides but I also believe that it's good that we know what's going on where we're at and if we're needing money you shouldn't be saving up money to give the pastor something for pastor appreciation just my thoughts on that and so that's it for announcements we're good to go let's we're in Acts 18 tonight Paul keeps moving right along sharing the gospel spreading the gospel we look at chapter 18 verse number one and after these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila and Pontius lately come from Italy and his wife Priscilla because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And what does Paul do like he's done everywhere else he goes? He reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. I love that phrase, he was pressed in the spirit. He had to do it. And when, he, and when, they, opposed, and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his garment and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence. And entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. We really see here at the church in Corinth its beginning. And I know some of you ladies that go to the ladies' Bible study, you went through Corinthians, Correct. And so did you go through 1 Corinthians? Now you're on 2 Corinthians. And the church that had some issues going on a little bit later, 
this is their beginning and their roots right here. And it's kind of neat to see where the church began and to see how God used and established what he did. If you notice with Paul, this is, he's on his second missionary journey. And Paul, throughout this journey, one of the things he wanted to do was go and strengthen the churches he already started. And I think that's important. He wanted to go back and make sure to help them continue to grow. It's not like he had a YouTube channel for them all to tune into or a podcast like we have today. He literally had to travel to the places he was there and tried to minister and help them. But then at the same time, he would go places and start new churches, just like we see here in Corinth. And you remember we looked at last week that Paul was in Athens there and he preached a message and some believed and some did not believe. And then he moves on here to Corinth. And then if you remember back in Philippi, that Timotheus and Silas stayed there and they continued to minister. Now they're leaving Philippi and they're meeting Paul in in Corinth here. And we look at these things, we just see over and over again that literally Paul just had a great desire to get the gospel to anyone that he could. And I sincerely believe and think that it should be every Christian's desire to get the gospel to everyone that we can. Whatever city we're in, wherever we're at, we should be pressed, like Paul was pressed, to get the gospel to whoever we're around. We look at this city and we look at Corinth and things, and when we look at Corinth, it was a major city, and it was a wicked city, but there was a church established here. And when he came here to, to um, Corinth, this city wasn't even more than 100 years old at this time. When Rome, under Julius Caesar, conquered Greece, Corinth rebelled, and Julius Caesar completely leveled the city of Corinth. And he conquered it and destroyed it. And in 44 BC, Julius Caesar rebuilt it, and he populated the city with freed slaves from Greece, Judea, Italy, and Syria. And because of its location and where Corinth was, there was a lot of traffic that went through Corinth to get into Greece and into those areas. It would kind of be like the city of Corinth, and not that I'm comparing them the same, they're pretty close. The city of San Francisco, there's a lot that comes in through there, right? It would be the same sort of thing with the city of Corinth, very similar in that. And so as we look here tonight, we see that Paul moves to Corinth and we see he gets some new friends and some new help in the ministry here. And we'll look at that. We'll just break down these verses a little bit tonight. Father in heaven, I pray you help us tonight. Take the next few minutes that we have and guide us and help us. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man, before the service tonight, Margie, Margie blessed my heart today. She said she went home. To her son, Robert, Robert comes a lot, Robert Monet. Robert is a diehard Raider fan. And so she went home today, and she watched the Charger Raider game today. And I don't even know if she knows what any of that stuff means. But she said she enjoyed herself, right? Didn't you say that? Yeah, and she's, she's doing the Charger dance back there, yes. So I'm going to get her before she see, next Sunday or sometime, I'm going to get you a Charger shirt to wear. So you're son- She was happy the Chargers won. She said that, not me. That wasn't me. She said it. And so I think that would be awesome for her because— we're watching the game at my house. We had the Lopez's over today. Chargers were up 24 to 7 in the game. And Caroline started cheering for the Raiders. Yes. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, and she, good job. First down. I'm like, what are you doing? 
And then after, from that moment on, the Raiders almost came all the way back, and it was thanks to my wife. No, it's what the Chargers do. If you're Charger fans, it's the way they do it. And so, yeah, so Margie, thank you for helping me out. You did today, though, and you, but you said, didn't you say, because of me, and it made you happy. And because they won, you actually came to church tonight. Those were your words, not my words. Those were your words. That came from you. That's why I got to get you to wear a little something so your son can see that. That will be fun, and I can't wait for that. That will be fun to do. You sent me a text yesterday about the game, and you say, did I text, did I text any Raider fan after the game? They No, because later on, they'll text me when my team loses. So I try to just stay quiet. Because one win means nothing. You could be like Joe and be like, we got Aaron Rodgers and the Jets are going to be so good. And then were they losing like 50 to 0 now? Are you keeping track? No, you're not keeping track. I just noticed as we were doing the singing there, his face is getting brighter red and brighter red. And I thought maybe he was enjoying the Lord or that's the chief color, chief's color on your face there. So he probably knows the score just a little bit. But that's okay. That's why he's the sound man. When football games are on, he's happy to run the soundboard back there. When they're not, he has Skylar fill in for him. But anyways, I was just teasing you, Joe. So let's have a word of prayer, and let's get to what's really important tonight. And uh, you say, you already prayed a minute ago. I know, but we need to get more spiritual and get off of football. So let's pray again. Father, I just pray that you bless the next few minutes, guide our thoughts, and guide our actions tonight. And thank you. Pray of us would get a desire and get something to get the gospel to those around us. How important it is. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To our We see Paul gets some new helpers. It's always good to have new helpers in ministry, isn't it? It is. It's good to have new helpers. It's good to have old helpers. It's good to have any helpers. Any helpers are good in ministry. And so we look here, we look at verse Let's read them again. It says, And after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, and his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and brought... And the Greeks. So as we look here tonight, we see first of all, letter A, that these were just common. Claudius had expelled all Jews from Rome in the year 52 AD. Be in Rome, so that they're in the city of Corinth here. And we see this here. When we look at these folks here, the first one we see Aquila's mentioned here. He was driven from Rome refuge there in Corinth where Paul was on a second missionary journey he meets Paul they have something in common they had the same trade now isn't that interesting when you run into someone that you did the same thing and do the same type of work and it's just an interesting thing I'm sure Gary someone who does electric you have something to talk about maybe not as much but there's something there John working at the dairy you hear someone else working at the dairy or Hear someone talk about airplanes. Or you'd be like, Russ, Levi, and what, in the different things. I remember Levi, you'd mention all the time. Or someone does car detailing. It might, there might spark up a conversation there, have something in common there. Air conditioning. Lots of different things. And so, literally, they did the same, they had done the same type of work. 
when, and they made these, you know, these claws, made these different things. And so as we look here, literally the name Aquila literally means an eagle. And so that was the meaning of his name. And you've got to understand, a guy, I believe a name like that just signifies the fact that even as the persecution, all these things upon him, he soared in his faith. He did what God would have him do. And he preached, the, and, he, and he mentioned the Lord, and, he was, and it was important to him. We see his wife, Priscilla, here. And uh, you'll notice that Priscilla is never mentioned apart from when Aquila and Priscilla, they're mentioned together here. And I think that that's an important thing. I believe in, in marriage today, marriage is a, it's a team thing. Do you realize that? It is a team. You're not, doesn't, I just heard, I was listening, I was listening to a good old-fashioned Baptist podcast the other day. And some Baptists, I just don't, I don't love some of the thinking there. God just didn't call me to this ministry here. He called us to this ministry. We're a team. If she's not on board with me, you're not going to have a very good pastor. Or have someone here very, you're like, is that why? No, that's not, not, got nothing to do with it. We're a team. We're in this together. God called us, and this is, this is what we both do. And it's an important thing, and I see, I love the fact that this couple, they're mentioned, and that's how it should be. If a married couple, all you ever hear is of the one spouse and nothing else, and they're, it's supposed to be a team effort. You're not on a solo team. When you're married, everything changes. Two become one. You're no longer single and things like that. And I like seeing that here in this passage. And she was supportive. And just we see just common people. Do you realize that's what ministry is? Common people doing the work of God. That's what it is. God isn't looking for someone extra special. He's looking for someone who's available and willing to do the work. We see letter A, the fact they were common people. And we also see letter B, the fact they were saved people. They were saved people. And we see this here about them. And we see the fact that he reasoned in the synagogue and was persuading Jews and the Greeks. And we see that here. And what a blessing that is to see. And I'm sure it was good for Paul to come somewhere and see other people that were actually witnessing to and persuading people. Have you ever thought of what encouragement that would be? Normally, Paul would go to every city, and Paul would be the one doing all of this. Paul, it says, because if you notice later on, it says that Paul was pressed to do it, right, in the city? So when it says this person was in the synagogue, this isn't referring to Paul. It's referring to Aquila here. And so they were were just common people doing the work of God. And we can even see that later on, Acts 18, verse 26, and we'll get here in a few weeks, it says, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And you know, and we look at that, and we look at that there, the, the guy, Apollo, there, and he was boldly speaking in the synagogue, but all he knew was of John's baptism. And so what do Aquila and Priscilla, I love what they do. If you see what they did, they didn't stand up in the middle of him speaking and say, hey, you're wrong. Was he kind of wrong? Yes, he was wrong. You know what they did? They took him. Took him to the side, took him to their house, whatever they did, and they showed him what God's word, what God had for them. What a blessing that is to see here. And I love that there were Christians there already when he arrived and they were doing the work of God. And after, you know, when we look at all these things, 
and we see these things, I believe it's just a blessing to see this, for Paul to get here and to have some new helpers that actually knew something about Jesus and actually had it. And there's this something, you know, I love finding a new Christian, a new person and leading them to Jesus Christ. But when you get someone just saved, there is so much work that has to go into a new believer. And it's worth it. And it's a work that needs to be done. Every once in a while, though, it's nice to find a, a seasoned believer who's not bitter from some other church that they left or have all this other stuff, but that are just following the Lord. They're just ready to just jump. It's an awesome thing. And that's how I think this was a blessing for Paul when he saw this. We see Paul has some new helpers. Number two tonight. Number two, see Paul's compassion in his heart that he had. Look at verse number five. It says, and when Silas and Timotheus were come unto him, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Compassion. A lot of people say they have compassion, but compassion without some action is not truly compassion. You could look at the Good Samaritan, right, in that story. And there were some that looked at the man and did nothing. They could say they had compassion. They might have prayed for him as they went up the street. But compassion leads us to do something. Think about what it says in the book of Judah, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Paul had compassion. He had a heart for the things of God. Compassion is your hurt my heart. The Corinthians didn't know, even know that they were hurting. But Paul saw the fact that they needed Jesus. Have you ever, has that ever been inside of you? Where you're around a group of people and you hear them and you hear them talk and you hear what they're going through and you just, and you just know that they need Jesus and you feel, and they don't even know that they need Jesus. They don't know that they're messed up. They don't sense that they're messed up, but you know that they're hurting. You know they're messed up and you have compassion because they need Jesus. And Paul was pressed in his heart here. The word pressed here, when translates a very strong word, it means to hold fast of a prisoner, metaphorically to be held by, closely occupied with any business, to constrain a press of ills, laying hold of one and distressing him, to be held with, afflicted with, suffering from, and to urge and to impel the soul. Literally, he was pressed. It was eating at his heart, seeing the way these people were living in Corinth and realizing the fact that they needed Jesus. Go spend an evening on Tuesday with me down at the rescue mission downtown L.A. And look at these people that are half drunk, on drugs, whatever's going on in their life. And, do not, and look at them and see if you don't have a little compassion and say, Jesus could change all of this in their life and get pressed to do something. Go up and down these streets. I went on a ride-along yesterday for a few hours with an officer yesterday. I've been needing to spend some time with this officer. And I went, and there was someone that stole some shoes from a store not too far away. It's not the wisest thing to do with all the cameras they have in there. And the pair of shoes were $69.95. By the time he pays the court fine for the misdemeanor and the store is going to send him a bill... He's going to pay three times that. And we're sitting in the back room of the store there, 
And, you know, everyone, when I, when I wear my uniform, it's got the chaplet on there. Some people know what a chaplet is, and some people don't know what a chaplet is. Like, why are you wearing blue? Why, aren't you, why, aren't you, why don't you have all the stuff they have? I said, because they don't trust me like they trust the other officers. That's what it is. And we joked about it. And he's just sitting there, and he's like, oh, my, my life's a mess. He's a triplet. Doesn't have a license. He's trying to change his name. He's going through all these things. And he said, I just wanted a pair of shoes. And he had the money in his pocket to pay for the shoes. And instead, he's going to end up paying all these fines and have this thing on his record at 20 years old. And I'm limited on what I can say at these things. But, like, I, I told him. I said, there's more to life than what you got going on. And I said, there's someone who really loves you. And you need him. And you can find true happiness and find true peace. And think before you do the stuff like this again. That young man, I saw him and he's just sitting there. He's lost as anybody could be. And he just needs Jesus. People in this world just need Jesus. You listen and you hear people. Paul had compassion. He was just as hard. And we know what the Bible says. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, in the book Corinthians 5.11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. He was pressed in his spirit. And then what did he do? He testified about the Lord. And verse number 14 of that same chapter, it says, For the love of Christ, it constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then are all dead. And man, it would do you some good. And I mentioned it this morning, I'll mention it again, to look at people through Jesus' eyes. Sometimes we look, at this, we look at the dumb things people do and the sin of people, and we expect the lost people to be good Christians when we as Christians are not good Christians. Jesus, do you know, who's Jesus the hardest on? The sinners that came to him? The religious, prideful people. Man, if we could just see people the way Jesus sees them, it would change our outlook and change what we did. Jesus had compassion, and he wanted to make a difference in the lives of people. And I don't think there's ever been anyone who ever has lived in this world, and he lived a short time, 33 years in this life, that had more of an impact on people than Jesus did. Disciple says, just send the crowds home. No, they're hungry. I'll feed them. And I'll give them food that will last them forever. That woman to touch the hem of his garment, that was the other one who had the faith. Remember this morning in the second service, I said there were two. It was the soldier, and then it was also the woman. It, was, it wasn't even, and the disciples were the ones that over and over again didn't have the faith that they should. But Jesus marveled at the faith of two that had heard about him and weren't even as close to him as others were. In the spirit, and what did he do about the rest of verse number five? It says he testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. The word testify means to earnestly, religiously charge, to attest, to testify to, solemnly affirm. Paul was pressed and urged by the need, and he declared to them that Jesus is what they need. The Bible tells us, and we can look at other passages of Scripture, but 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 2, I think this is very good, and I think this would do us all well. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ 
and him crucified. I think that's a great way to live right there. And that's what people need to hear. That's what they need to know. Paul preached Jesus. You say, well, everywhere he went, that's what he preached. He didn't go around covering the Republican National Convention or what all the Republicans had to say or what the Democrats didn't say or say or what the school board says or what this person says or what whoever says. Paul went around and just told them about Jesus. We as Christians, and I, I get it, I get it in our world today. There's a strong pull on everything around us, and we got to stand up for right values, and we need to vote biblically and get people in the right. But let me tell you something. More important than getting someone in office is getting people to Jesus Christ. And instead of telling everyone about everything else, go tell someone about Jesus. Get off your internet and quit searching all these wild ideas about how vaccines do this and they do that. Or this happens and this happens and all this is going to happen. And just take your Bible and go tell someone that Jesus loves them and that Jesus could change their life. It will do much better. That's what people need today. They need Jesus. It hasn't changed. It's still the same. Paul saw it. It bothered him. And then we see, lastly, number three, we see Paul's conviction. Look at verse 6 through 8. It says, And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. For go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a, man's, a certain man's house, named one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. What was Paul's conviction? His conviction had to do with soul winning and leading people to Jesus. If someone didn't want to hear, do you know what he did? He went to somebody else. And if they didn't want to hear it, he just went to somebody else. And if they wanted it, he gave it to them, and then he'd go give it to someone else. Think about Paul's conviction. There's two thoughts I want you to have underneath this. The first one is this. We see his conviction for soul winning. The Jews were rejecting the message there in the synagogue, and he couldn't get them. It didn't, the Spirit of God wasn't leading these people to get saved. Or the Spirit of God was leading them and they weren't listening to the Spirit of God, whatever you want to say and however you want to word it. And literally what it says here is Paul tells them, I've warned you. Your blood's on your own head. And he just went someplace else to keep sharing the gospel. He kept moving. Rather than trying to argue with someone into believing, he went to someone who was open to hear it. And sometimes we do, there are those folks, and there's some in this room, you, are the, you like to be argumentative with people, and you're going to prove your point. Do you really think you're going to prove your point with anybody? I've been soul winning many a times, and soul winning is a good thing to do. I believe in it. I've gone soul winning with people that like to argue with people at doors. And the arguing can go in circles for hours and go nowhere. Just like people going to argue about different things on Facebook. Like I, just the other day, there was a guy that I know 
that put you re- repentance doesn't have to do with repenting of all your sin. He said it a certain way, and I'm like, he's only saying that because there's a group of pastors on Facebook that are going to go and post on his thing, and they're going to argue back and forth for hundreds of, co- of comments. And I looked back two days later, and there were hundreds of comments. Said, did you read through them? No, because they're just arguing back and forth. And they're, they're not going to convince anybody. Well, maybe if I, if I argue with them, maybe, they'll, maybe I'll convince them. Yeah, you're the one trying to convince somebody. The Holy Spirit of God needs to do the convincing, not you and I. And I don't need someone on Facebook or someone anywhere to convince me of something. I need the Spirit of God to convince me of something. And what he did was, instead of arguing with them, he just moved on. And just a little thought for you. There are some people in each of our lives that all they want to do is argue, 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 and you're never going to get anywhere with them. Pray for them and quit talking about the stuff. Drop it. When they want, you say, well, they're just going to come back and want to talk about more. Then why don't you get on your knees with them there or there and just pray with them? Just pray. You can't argue when you're praying, can you? You can't. So, well, since I'm done praying, they're going to start arguing again. Then pray more. Pray till they leave the house or whatever the case may be. Or if it's on the phone. The connection's not great. I can't hear you very well. I've never done that to anybody. I was just using that as an example right here. I've never done that before. But he had a conviction, and, he, and then what we see happens is letter B is the fact that he was faithful to it, and he just continued doing it. And each of us, we've been given, we should have a conviction about leading people to the Lord. Because God commissioned, the Great Commission was not a commission just for the apostles. We're the apostles today. They're not here. The commission was for all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew 18, 19, 20, so go eat before, teach all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the world. There should be a conviction already there, but then we need to be faithful to it. I love what the Bible says in Galatians 6, verse 7 through 9, Be not deceived, mocked, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Does it get hard sometimes when you're sharing the gospel with people? It does get hard. And if you say, no, not really, then you haven't been sharing the gospel with very many people. Because literally, in all honesty... Those moments where you get someone, what must I do to be saved? I think in the past two years, I've had three times that happens. And most of the time, that's been after they've sat in church for a few months, and the Spirit of God convicted them so much, they just, they knew what they needed. They didn't want me to go through everything. This prayer, we need to pray. They were at that point. That doesn't happen often. I can go weeks without someone trusting Christ. Do I share the gospel? Yes. Does someone, it t- sometimes, don't get weary in well-doing. Just keep doing what you're supposed to do. And you say, well, pastor, I don't know how to witness. I've done class after class in the past. I'll tell you this, the best way to know how to witness is to go out and do it. You say, well, pastor, I'm, I just don't know. Call me this week, get a few gospel tracts, and we'll go together somewhere. 
Um, yeah. The best way to learn is right in the spot doing it. Share your faith. Everywhere we go, we should be sharing our faith. Man, I was, and this is a little convicting to me, and I know we're at 7, so we're going to end here in just a minute. But my father-in-law was out in February and March time. And my father-in-law, he's, he's quite a character. If you get to know him. A great man. I love him. But he was so, he, everywhere he went while he was out here, he would pass out gospel tracts. Well, one day, I was trying just to wear him out and get him tired, so I took him for a walk. So we're in this area where all these joggers are going. And so you got all these people jogging by us, and he st- waves them down. And, you know, they're in the middle of their run, and he's like, and he's from Minnesota and things. So he doesn't have the California, here you go, have a great day, let him go. My name is Paul, and I am from, uh, from blah, blah, blah. And it's a five-minute conversation with this guy that just wants to keep running. And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm just, and I'm just hiding my head because if they open up that track, my picture's on the inside. And I'm like... And it was embarrassing, but then I started thinking, at least he does it. Yeah. Say, so now everyone you run by, no, I don't. I don't. I, if he, someone's running, I let them. I, for myself, if I'm jogging, running, and I stop at my age, I'm done then. I'm just done. I'm not going any further. It's like these streetlights, if I get to a streetlight that stops me, I'm done. Because literally the legs just don't want to go anymore. So, I don't quite do that. Even my mother-in-law, they're here and they're just everywhere passing them out, doing all these things. It would do us good. Maybe you don't have to be quite that crazy to give it to every runner that passes by. You know, you're at the gym on the treadmill and the person next to you, and here you go, got this for you. You don't have to do that. But you could take three during the week and give them out to somebody. Paul had a spirit about him. He had, he saw the need that people had for Christ and he did something about it. And each of us in this room, I sincerely believe every Christian in this room knows that this world needs Christ. I don't think we need to talk about that one. I think we know that one. But what are you doing about it? 